Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Love to see you, friends. Welcome to The World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. My name is Stephen Gordon. Phil is a little under the weather uh, this week, and uh, I know he'll get back to hosting just as soon as he can, and we wish him well. And uh, I get to talk uh, this week uh, with, with our good friend and one of our favorite guests, Mr. Thomas Fry. Over the past decade, uh, Thomas Fry has built an enormous following around the world based on his ability to develop accurate visions of the future and describe opportunities ahead. His keynote talks on futurist topics have captivated people ranging from high-level government officials to executives in Fortune 500 companies. It is my pleasure to welcome again Thomas Fry. All right. Thanks for having me on. Uh, right. Looks like we're gonna we're gonna take a ride on the driverless driverless vehicles tonight. This is a fascinating area for me to discuss. Uh, Thomas, in my my day job, I'm actually a personal injury attorney, and so this is this is the thing that's going to come along and relieve me of my job. But it's not just me, is it? Yeah, it's going to change lots of lots of things. But you'll you'll be safe because we have flying drones, and there's all kinds of room for personal injuries with drones so <laughs> <laughs> i guess so if the ai gets strong enough they'd probably fly a whole lot better without uh, humans than, than uh, we are behind the controls anyway yeah. one can hope uh, that we that we'll have uh, we'll have sa- a safer transportation future but anyway you have written in uh, at, at future speaker futurist speaker.com this article 25 shocking predictions about the coming driverless car era so let's Let's uh, shock our audience. What is, give us some that uh, you think that, uh, would be completely surprising to our, to our audience. Yeah, well, I started doing the math on this, and, and when you start applying numbers to it, then it's kind of such a game changer. See, if you, have, if you have a car that's picking up people and dropping them off all day long, 24-7, and we don't know exactly what the demand will be in the middle of the night because all of this starts changing, but if, if you're – vehicle is operating 24 hours a day, it's entirely possible that the vehicle can put on uh, a thousand miles in a single day. That means after 10 months that that vehicle would have 300,000 miles on it. Does that mean the vehicle is wore out after 300,000 miles? We don't know what the life expectancy of these, these driverless vehicles will be, but I'm guessing some of, at least some of the early ones, that'll, that'll be probably uh, they'll be ready for the junkyard by then. So having a life expectancy of less than a year is so different than today where cars you expected to last over a decade. But the cars well, today I, just don't get, don't get used much. Well, I, I've never gotten into a taxi that didn't feel like it was well used. 
right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. And so right. I, I guess that that's what a, a, a autonomous car would be like that you summon. It's a it's it's public transportation. It's constantly on the road, like twenty hours plus a uh, plus a day, right? Uh, it would tend to wear out uh, quickly. I guess the good news is that uh, you know you never get in a car that's all that old, and so you you might you know you you tend to have up to date safety features and entertainment features or whatever uh, if, uh, yeah, part, if the car, cars part, are constantly having to be replaced. Yeah, part of that's good because we're we're going to go through rapid iterations of these vehicles, not quite knowing what consumers want. But as you you know as as you stop owning your own vehicle, you stop caring. Uh, you care far less about what it looks like on the outside and far more about what it, what you can do on the inside. So that, therefore, you want cars that are easy to get in and out of because people are getting in and out of them all the time, and they might look a lot boxier than today. You know, as, as a person riding on airplanes a lot, you know, I don't really care what the outside of the airplane looks like because uh, I really can't see it very often. So I care a lot more about what the inside looks like because that's tells me if I'm going to be comfortable or not, if I'm sitting next to this big giant fat guy or whatever. So <laughs> shoved in between two, two, you know, in a very small seat or something are, are, right. are, are, right. are seating more comfortably. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, so these uh, also, you know, we, as we did the math on this, you know, just one autonomous vehicle very likely will replace somewhere right around 30 traditional cars. Since our, our vehicles are only being used 4% of the day, th- that means that we just need far fewer cars in total. But it's going to take a long time to transition to make this transition. I mean, we have 162 million registered vehicles in the United States, and lots of people love their cars. They don't want to give up on them. They want to hang on to them. But over time, owning a car will become a very expensive hobby. Driverless vehicles are going to be so much cheaper to operate and use. You don't have to get a driver's license. You don't have to worry about speeding tickets. You don't have to pay for your insurance. All of those things start to go away. Uh, you don't have to worry about bothersome things like being sober when you get in it. Um, well, exactly, yeah. too. I mean, yeah. we'll probably see cars that are sponsored by Coors and Molson or, or Jack Daniels driving down the road because – yeah, they might even give free samples while you're in those vehicles. So. <laughs> Why not? Why not? The open container <laughs> laws uh, will go away because who cares, right? Exactly. Exactly. Right. So we, doing some more math, we looked at this, and it's a fleet for a, a population, a city population of a million people. It will only take 15,000 cars to displace 50% of peak rush hour traffic. Now, let me say that again because that's kind of a complicated formula. It only takes 15,000 cars to replace 50% of peak rush hour traffic. That's between 7.30 and 8 o'clock in the morning. And the rest of the day, it'll be much more than that for a population of a million people. So if you got wow. live in a city like if Denver has 2 million people, then you just need 30,000 cars. Now, the trick to that, though, is there, there has to be a lot of artificial intelligence built into all these systems because we have to have the right amount of cars in the right parts of the city at any given moment. So right. the demand is going to be changing a lot. So there will be a lot of sloppiness. It's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> 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 to, have, to have all these cars that are everywhere exactly where they need to be at that moment. And then, uh, yeah. of course, it gets, whole, it gets a whole lot easier. You're not in peak drive times, right? So. 
But, right, right. Yeah, yeah. For the for the most part, dealerships are not going to like these cars because they're mostly going to be all electric vehicles. And so a gas powered car has roughly two thousand moving parts, and electric vehicles have like ten. And so well, the maintenance departments start to go away. Yeah. Well, and if you're moving away from individual ownership, instead of it being these dealerships selling to individual people for for relatively large prices, it'll be it'll be fleet owners buying buying in bulk. That'll be a different market completely. Yeah, and that's that's going to create a lot of problems for cities. And and so as uh, you know, forty percent of all sales tax comes from auto sales. And as we move into fleet fleet sales, if there's going to be taxes on fleets, then the car companies are going to get them all licensed in the cheapest possible state. So everybody goes to Wyoming to get their car licensed, and then they drive it all over the rest of the country. So anyway, that that's going to create lots of interesting issues that cities have to contend with. But so the cars are, are very likely going to be electric, and because 86% of the cars on the road today just have one person in them, the fleet owners are going to have lots of influence over how cars are designed, and to save a few extra bucks, they're very likely going to design one-person vehicles. Now, these cars will, I think, will be very comfortable to ride in. You can be productive playing video games, watching movies, or you can just lay back and sleep but it'll just, just be designed for one person. That, I think, is, is an, another big game changer because the car size becomes much smaller. I, I've been thinking about the whole safety side of it, and as you're, you're dealing with lots of car accidents, you, you understand this, but the metric that I think we should be establishing is the, the metric of how safe the airline industry is as a safety metric that we need to apply to the auto industry. I think we need to apply that to a lot of things. I think we need to apply that to the gun industry as well. So we need a safety and uh, metric like that that we can aspire to become that that safe in the automobile world. Well, you know, I've had people ask, "What do you think about autonomous cars and and their ability to be to be built safely?" And I, my 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 thought is, based on my day job, I, I think it's quite doable. We're just not that good at driving. Yeah. People are too easily distracted. Uh, we, you know, we drive emotional. We drive drunk. We, you know, we drive tired. You know, and and uh, you know, and we and we can't look in all directions at the same time. The way an autonomous car could, or or even communicate with other cars, the way an autonomous car possibly could. Well, exactly, so, exactly. You know, it's, I I think it it's it's quite doable to make a car that that is safer than even the best driver. I've had this conversation with Phil a number of times. If I have a close call on the highway because I do something stupid, then I may yeah. I may learn a lesson. But my, my neighbor two houses down didn't learn a lesson. Autonomous cars, right. if they have a close call, if, if an autonomous car has a close call, that lesson can be completely sent throughout the entire network of autonomous cars, right? I mean, the entire right. network can learn the lessons and be, and be better. Yeah. So. It, they will overtake us in safety quite quickly. Yeah, quite quickly. Yeah, there's there's a phenomenon called the the Pelsman effect. It's named after Dr. Sam Pelsman. He's a renowned professor of economics at the University of Chicago. He studied auto accidents and he found that 
when you introduce more safety features like you know seat belts in the cars, airbags, and things like that, the number of fatalities and injuries really didn't drop. And the reason is that people tend to compensate for that safety there. As individuals, we're hardwired to be a certain level of risk-taking. And, and if that risk goes away, we figure out other ways of compensating for it, which, which is kind of bizarre. That's just human nature, though. That is strange, so, isn't it? Yeah. We are, yeah. we are weird animals. We really are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As we get into this, this thing, we're going to start seeing so many things that catch us off guard. I mean, the, the fact that the noise level goes away, mountain towns suddenly become very quiet again. We don't have all this rumbling noise going through these quiet little mountain communities. The sound of a city changes. 10% of retail businesses are going to disappear because they're car-related. Everything from the tire shops, the brake shops, emission testing, oil change places, car washes, gas stations, even the dealerships themselves will start to disappear. A lot of the police departments are dedicating 80% of the, of the policemen work on traffic control. And so how do, we, how do we manage the police departments? I mean, as we get into a drone world, the, the drones actually create other, other kinds of problems that police are going to have to deal with. So what's the right number uh, of people in a police department from here on out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Considerably there, fewer, inter- perhaps. Yeah. yeah, there's an interesting number. In 2015, New York City brought in $1.9 billion from traffic violations. That's just such a staggering number. There's a whole lot of bad karma in that number. <laughs> they sucked, sucked out that money from a lot of poor people. And I would just guess that the relationship of communities to their police forces could be improved significantly if, uh, you know, we're all transported around uh, these autonomous vehicles and the specter of getting a ticket is no longer a part of your life. These police officers really are there to protect and serve and not just to lay in wait for me, right? Well, exactly. I mean, we've created kind of this adversarial relationship between people and the, and the police departments. And I don't think it needs to be that way. All of that can, can quickly disappear. I think we, we, we let a lot of people out of, out of jails as a result of this. The DUI stuff alone puts lots of people in prison. So. But, you know, this affects so many other things, too. Just like an airport, in the average airport in the United States, 41% of its revenues come from parking and transportation services. All of these things start to disappear. All the limo drivers, the shuttle buses, the parking. The parking is a huge amount of that money. And so when you start thinking about giant parking lots at airports, what can those be trans- transformed into in the future? And I always like to put in the suggestion of urban agriculture, but we'll, we'll see if that works out. <laughs> well, that's a whole lot of space for something, isn't it? Yeah, Absolutely. Uh, Well, what about range? Electric cars have traditionally been limited by range by comparison to a gasoline vehicle that, you know, you can typically get 300, 350 miles uh, out of a tank of gas. Will will the range continue to be a problem for electric cars, or do you see that that going away? Well, there's a lot of promising things on the horizon. I mean, Elon Musk is uh, predicting 600-mile range. next year for the Tesla cars, getting up to 1,000 miles per charge, 20, 
2025, 2027, something in that area. Uh, so a thousand miles on a charge, you know, that's pretty darn good. And this battery that, that Toshiba has just come out with, they said that they can get 200 mile batteries recharged in six minutes. Yeah, that's that right there is such a huge game changer. We'll see what catches on, but that's that's massive. About another big rooms. If people are not getting hurt on the highway, that's another industry there, right? That would be affected. Yeah. So right now we have thirty-eight thousand deaths a year, four point four million injuries. That if you do the math on that, that works out to right around half a trillion dollars a year that's spent on fixing people, repairing people after car accidents. That's right. such a staggering amount that can, and we would all love to see that go away. But that takes one out of every six dollars out of the entire healthcare system. Yeah, that I think is a massive, big change just right there. The amount, the amount of stolen vehicles that happen in the world. You're not going to steal a car if it's a, a driverless car that is owned in a fleet. You know, yeah. I always joke. I always joke <laughs> with with low jacking technology. It'd be pretty hard to do, even if you wanted to, right? I mean, uh, well, exactly. Uh, probably we want it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the things I joke about is that Hollywood's going to hate this because it just ruins all the chase scenes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> every 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 one of the Hollywood movies from then forward will just be based past. It's sort of the it's sort of the cell phone problem too. I mean. That was a big part of uh, of movies. Now that uh, people have cell phones, no one's wondering where anyone else is anymore. You know, <laughs> so, yeah, it's hard to write around that sometimes. I think, right? So we just right. <laughs> we see a lot of movies based in the past. Perhaps I don't know. Well, so cities uh, cities would have to obviously retool how they get their tax money, and police departments would yeah. shrink, and uh, and you know, par- parking lots would be turned into other things, you know, maybe some green space that uh, cities need. Obviously, it hits a lot of people where they live, their jobs would be affected, but ultimately you end up with what I would think would be a much nicer place to live in these cities. Well, absolutely. I mean, 14% of Los Angeles is currently parking lots. So as our need for parking lots start to disappear, then uh, a lot of this high-priced land suddenly becomes available, and what are we going to use that for? Can we use some of it for parks? I think that'd be great. We need open space, that sort of thing. But as we start having our car drive us around, then we start paying a lot less attention to where we are at any given moment because we don't have to worry about how to get there. And that currently kind of filters through our mind the whole time. You're looking for landmarks, you're turning at this intersection and that intersection, in the future, location will probably still matter, but it won't matter as much. And so if you, if you have a business that paid for a high-profile location, that probably isn't going to be all that important in the future. Right. Well, I mean, we already telecommute, but the ability to get around with uh, autonomous cars like this, it just, you know, any place would be good, basically, right? I mean, just... Yeah, uh, lo- location matters less. That's. Does that mean we spread out, or does that mean we congregate in in, uh, in city centers? Yeah, yeah, that it raises some good questions because intuitively you would think, well, that would mean that people can spread out; they can be much farther away. But it may actually work just the opposite. As as transportation becomes easier, we start doing more of it. I mean, if I can drive all the way across town and 
you know, 20 minutes and just I just summon a vehicle and jump in and, and go for it whenever I want to, then I'll probably do it a lot more. And if the price of transportation plummets like, like I think it will, I've heard everything from $0.06 cents a mile to $0.28 cents a mile. And, it, and I've actually heard of some models for actually offering free, free transportation in these driverless vehicles. And they still have a, a, a profit motive in the, in the background. Uh, we're we're going to see some interesting uh, shifts in what the amount of money that we spend on transportation in the future. Well, and overall, transportation costs shrink, but uh, car ownership becomes something that people do really for hobby reasons. It's sort of a rich man's hobby at that point, right? Right. Um, I, I just got back from Indianapolis last weekend and, you know, the – Indianapolis 500. I, I keep asking the question of how long before we see the first uh, Indianapolis 500 won by a driverless vehicle. <laughs> yeah. And, and and so this this whole idea that uh, the the sound of a vehicle, the rumbling, the noise, the the smoke coming out of it, that's the symbol of power that you you had that uh, all the racing industry was kind of based around that, and now you have these electric cars that are beating everybody on, on the, you know, the drag strips and they make virtually no noise at all. That's, that's such a game changer there. <laughs> I, I wonder if people would want to pay to go see a, a silent race. To me, part, part yeah. of the experience, when I've gone to, when I've gone to race, hot car or whatever, Formula One or whatever, it's the, the, the sound is a big part of the experience. And I, I oh, it wonder is. if, yeah, we we might still want to see the gas powered race cars uh, while we travel to and from the racetrack in our you know silent cars. We're certainly not going to want to watch all driverless cars compete on in the Indianapolis 500. That yeah, would be boring. You, you, we, we want the personalities. Absolutely. So, I mean that's that's kind of like watch. That's kind of like watching two computers play chess against each other. Can you imagine anything more boring? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, and right after that, we, we can watch paint dry. And I'm not sure which would be, which would be worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, you, you think about how the effect that this has on our, our businesses, on our houses, as parking lots start to go away, then I've been, I've been speculating that I think we start designing what I call queuing stations in front of buildings so that the driverless vehicles are all queued up, ready to go whenever somebody wants to take off. And as uh, depending on how much traffic is in and out of these, these can be fairly complicated queuing systems. There, you might have a certain lane for handicapped people, a lane for moms with kids. Maybe you have a, a Lexus lane for your best customers. But uh, this, this I think, is going to be part of the driverless experience that you can just come out of a building and jump into a vehicle and take off. And as as we stop owning our own vehicles, then our, suddenly our garages become available to do something else with. And I've been speculating on the idea that we might be converting lots of garages into Airbnb rentals to make a little <laughs> extra money on the side. Absolutely. I, I could see that, yeah. That Why could, not? That could be a whole new cottage industry of uh, remodeling <laughs> garages. <laughs> well, so all together, though, the impact of driverless technologies cause, according according to what you write here, here 
one in four jobs to disappear. So we, we've touched on a bunch of these. Few, fewer police officers are needed and fewer emergency, emergency rooms are, are needed and <laughs> fewer, fewer people that do what I do for a living are needed. Ambulance yeah. drivers. And I mean, it just goes on and on. I suppose that raises the question, so how do we adapt as a, as a society? We'll, we'll have to figure out something else to do, I suppose, those of us who are impacted. Yeah, I, I actually think this is a, a technology, though, that opens the door for lots of other inventive new business models. And so the one we like to joke around with is that um, it, it gives rise to a, a speed dating service where two random people get into a dri- driverless car and actually speed around while they're dating for five <laughs> minutes and then they get out. So <laughs> If it's a bad date, you just uh, drop and roll. You know, you get out quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that's, I can see that working, and, and all of this is controlled by an app. Yeah, it'd be, so some, it'd be, it'd be Match.com meets Uber. I love it. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> so we played around with this idea of, of driverless mobile businesses. So the, the food truck industry that we have today, I think, is paving the way for a much larger industry. When you take drivers out of the equation, I mean, then you can have mobile mobile banks, you can have mobile grocery stores, you can have mobile dog grooming places, hair salons, mobile retail operations. And so the big shift is, you know, away from, you know, a permanent location for a business where you try to get people to come to that business to the opportunity now where the business can go to the people. That is such a massive fundamental shift in thinking that uh, it creates all kinds of new opportunities that we haven't been uh, acquainted with in the past. Absolutely. Well, that will have to be it. Thomas, it's been great talking to you tonight and all week. We've had a great time. Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. If you missed Monday night's program, that was the post-electric world. Until next time, live to see it.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.